Growing your business is tough, but don't worry, we've got you covered. We interview industry experts on how they've solved their most challenging business problems in SaaS or e-commerce. No fluff, just step-by-step playbooks to help you dominate your market and crush the competition. This is the How We Solve Podcast. Here's your host. Welcome to the How We Solve Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Lee, and today we're joined by Darren Ranke. He is the founder of Group 60 an executive coaching and training company based in San Diego to bring his purpose to life and to transform leaders, their teams, and their organizations. Group 60 works with leaders and teams at Fortune 500s, mid-market companies, fast-growing startups, and visionary nonprofits. He is also the author of a brand new book titled The Savage Leader. Welcome to the podcast, Darren. Great to be here, Sean. Today on How We Solve, we're going to cover three steps to becoming a more authentic and confident leader. We're excited to get started on that. That's actually a topic I come across a lot with leaders in the MBA program that I just finished up. So everybody seems to have this, the imposter syndrome, no matter how old you are. So I'd be really curious to hear how to become more confident, authentic. Well, first off, I really want to hear why did you choose these two things to focus on in regards to confidence and authenticity? To me, it's, well, first of all, they're related. So through my experience, I've learned that people who are their most authentic selves are going to be most confident. And on the flip side, people that are confident feel comfortable being more authentic. So I think that's an important relation to point out. But just the authenticity is such an important term. It could be a bit cliched, I suppose. But for me, I guess I think about my own journey throughout my life and fighting the pull for being the certain version of myself versus being the true version of myself. And I think the best version of myself, I think a lot of us tend to maybe overly lean on our resume, where we went to school, where we went to work, where we grew up as words that we use to define who we are. And for me, it was over concern about being the the Accenture Darren, the Berkeley Haas Darren versus being a, a different version, the executive coach, one who's more vulnerable, who is more introspective, a, a definitely a different version of that of that version of me. And I've also found that when I work with executives, we really tap into what's most important to them versus what their CEOs think they should be or what their board thinks they should be. Things like being more humble is definitely something that comes up, being that more introspective and not just being that a braggadocious executive or CEO. So I just, I found it to be so important, both in my own journey, but also just in working with leaders and helping them become the best that they can be. So the three steps you've listed out are willingness to change, self-awareness, and how do you express yourself, right? Through values and communication. Let's start with willingness to change. What do you have to share with us there? Yeah, great place to start. One of the things we do actually to help filter who we work with, but also I think it's three tenets becoming a great leader, is you have to have a desire to be great or at least better. The second piece is a willing to be introspective. And the third is willingness to put in the work. So the willingness to change really intersects a lot of those points. And that's just such a a fundamental piece because if someone's not willing to grow and get better, they're just flat out not going to get better. I tend to be more optimistic than most in terms of how many people can actually change. And for example, Gallup says that 10% of people have management capability. I believe there's more than that. I also believe that more people can change than the average person would think. But obviously it starts with that willingness to change and seeing something that they'll benefit from in terms of that change. For example, whether someone wants that promotion, they want to be better at sales, they want to create a transformative nonprofit or startup company in Silicon Valley. So it really starts with that first step of a willingness to change. 
And it's honestly, it's a bit of a journey, but I think if you have that fundamental element inside of you that you can really change and do great things in your life and career. What's the biggest resistance that you've come across as an executive coach for people who think they're willing to change, but you know, there's something that's holding them back? Really curious. Definitely fear because people have gotten to where they are by doing what they've done and change is hard, right? I mean, are you going to unravel all of your past successes by doing something different, by being something different, by expressing a new set of behaviors? So I think it's that change and that fear of change that really is that big impediment to growth and success. I think that's a good segue into the second piece in terms of self-awareness. I imagine leaders may have that self-awareness that there needs to be change, but that they may not be aware you know, of how they should change, right? It's kind of the curse of you don't know what you don't know. How do we gain more self-awareness? Yeah, I think there's a couple parts in terms of fostering greater self-awareness. The first really is the how-to. So for me, it's through a lot of reflection. It's reflection on things from the past, challenges I've overcome or challenges I didn't overcome, failures, what I learned from those failures and, and struggles in my own life. That's been one piece, and I've spent so much time, probably an inordinate amount of time in the last five years in doing so, whether it was for creating the philosophy of my firm or writing this book, my first book, but also with journaling. And But then in terms of that's all generated from the inside, those are all your own reflections, but also just asking for feedback. And it's a really hard thing to do. I know for me, I always just dreaded the performance review process. And of course, everyone likes, oh, here's what you did well. And you're waiting for that just backhanded criticism or feedback on what you've done wrong. And so I think the way one would help with that is just to start to make it part of your regular routine in terms of asking for feedback. But don't ask things like, how did I do? Of course, people are going to say, great. Rather, or instead say, what's one thing I could have done better? Or what's one area I can do to grow and improve? So that's important is the mechanics of that fostering self-awareness. So both generated internally, so journaling, reflecting, which is actually probably hard for most people. It is hard for most people. It was for me, surely. But then how do you get that other objective points of view, actually probably subjective in a lot of cases, in terms of how you can grow and improve, what you've done in the past, and how you can continue to get better. So that's the first part of self-awareness is those the mechanics. And then also, it's, it's about understanding a number of things about yourself. And this gets back to authentic leadership, which is understanding your values, your strengths, your beliefs, and then what you do with those things, which is creating either a why statement or a purpose statement, which obviously Simon Sinek has popularized. But also something we do is around creating a personal leadership brand. So taking that why and making it more practical and action-oriented in terms of how do I want to show up for my team? What are those different values? What are those strengths? What are those beliefs? And how does that come to fruition in the workplace? Is there step three? Yeah, so that was a, that was a two for one for, the, for step two, yeah. A uh, two for one? Okay, I like it. So going back to the first point around self-awareness, what are some tips you have for people that struggle to journal or you know, make time for introspection? Sometimes I feel like, for me personally, it's, it comes down to you know, just not even creating the space for myself. Any advice around that? It's a struggle for me and it has been and it continues to be because I get up at 5 a.m. every day and that's my time to be creative and to create and to be strategic. And it's it's mostly writing time or creating new ideas for content or talks or whatnot. But the thing is, I've also realized that things like meditation and journaling, well, they don't have immediate impact in terms of content that I can look at on a piece of paper on a Word document that says, okay, here's what I did my first hour when I woke up in the morning and gosh, why did I get up at five when it was dark and the kids and the dog, and even the dog was asleep? 
And but knowing that those things actually pay off both in your mindset. So I've been reading the the Miracle Morning lately, and I actually heard the author on a podcast just talk about some tips. And he talks about spending an entire hour by doing these different things. You know, one of which is journaling and, and visualization and things like that. And I've made a bit of it my own. So. I think just knowing that that investment in time, you're going to get it back on the back end by being in a, a sharper and more crisp state of mind. And just even, I've learned a lot from Tim Ferriss. He's got some really practical tools in terms of journaling and things that he has people do at the beginning and the end of each day. But just to, the journaling part is just like getting rid of the trash that's in your mind. And I've actually realized when I'm writing a new blog or part of a, a future book is there's just these things that are just buzzing in my head that are just, it's more of stress or worry about something that's happening later. And I just need to get rid of that. And journaling can be a really helpful tool to do that. So if you look at it through the lens of productivity, I think it's easier to make time for it for sure. But another thing is just try getting up a little bit earlier. And that sounds easy too, because, oh, I'm going to get up at, at five instead of six or four instead of five. And now you have to go to bed earlier and it, it gets in the way of watching whatever that Netflix show you're binge watching or hanging out with your your spouse or your kids or whatnot. So it's a challenge for sure. But I think knowing first that you're going to get a lot of benefit from those types of activities, I think can be really helpful. That's great. I mean, one of the things that I picked up in terms of journaling, because sometimes leaders, I feel like are, they're a little bit OCD and they're also professionists. They want to, you know, make sure what they pen put to paper is well-formed or well-thought-out. And I came across this exercise. I don't know if it was Tim Ferriss that recommended it, or I think it was actually another musician. They just said, when you wake up, first thing, just write whatever is on your mind. Don't worry about punctuation, grammar, form, nothing. Just write the stream of consciousness that comes to mind. I tried that for, for a while, and it was great. Obviously, it was a bunch of gibberish and just random words and thoughts. But I did find it really helpful. And later on, I tied that in with another practice where this professor at Haas, actually, she, I mean, this is pretty, after she mentioned it, I remember hearing this concept before, but it's, it's called naming your emotions, right? Naming your feelings, just naming how you're feeling and literally just writing down, I'm really frustrated right now because of X, Y, and Z, or I'm really pissed off at this person, or this is not going well. And just the act of writing that out, it's, it literally just takes it off my chest. And I, sometimes in the morning, I, I just obviously feel like crap. I don't want to do anything today. And I literally just write down, I don't want to do anything today. And then I end up finding myself at the end of the day when I do a recap journal entry that I end up getting a lot done, right? Even though I didn't feel like doing anything at the beginning of the day. That practice, I, I definitely think has a lot of power to it, you know, however you do it. And I think I just want to share for listeners to just write, don't worry about form or factor. Yeah, I think that goes, that's something actually I've been starting to do lately as well, is just write down the feelings and not worry about it being content. It's just to get it out on paper. And when I thought about like getting rid of the trash, a lot of those are emotions, feelings, concerns that really just, just get in your way of being productive that day and, and actually just probably walking into the day with greater joy too. So it just helps to get rid of that. But I think the same thing holds for writing is just write. If you're working on a blog, for me, it usually takes about three sittings early in the morning where the first time is just maybe an outline and a bunch of words. Second time it gets about 75% and then the last one is finishing it up. So I think the same thing is just like start writing and start journaling, just do it. And I think you'll start to see a lot of the benefits along the way. I love it. I just read this quote before we started this interview. It was from Sakuru. He says, stress is not a consequence of a particular situation. It is a consequence of your inability to manage your own system. I thought that was pretty poignant. 
Oh, wow. I love that. The second question I have for you is around getting feedback. I think you gave us one little tidbit on how to ask for feedback better, how to ask better questions, right, around feedback. Don't ask, how did I do? What are, you know, especially as leaders, you know, how do you get, I don't want to say authentic, but how do you get honest feedback if you're at the top of the food chain, right? Any advice or tips around that? That's a good question, and it's definitely a challenge. And I think one thing, just first off, in terms of getting feedback and shifting your mindset in terms of in terms of reaching out and getting it, as I, and I've heard it attributed to many people, but feedback is a gift. It's really about what you do with it. So I think that's a nice mindset shift. I know that really helped me in terms of, look, if I want to grow and get better, you have to get that feedback. In terms of getting honest feedback, I, I mean, that's going to depend on that relationship and that whether you're not the kind of person who just it punishes the person for for giving you that feedback, and actually, I think it's really about the actions that you that you take on, not so much the words. It's one thing to say, "Look, I won't hold this against you. I really, I really want that honest, transparent feedback." But when you stop giving people opportunities because they were truly too candid with you, then I think that's going to undermine the creation of that uh, transparent dialogue channel between yourself and the people on your team. But I think also some other words that you can use and. If you position it, say, hey, look, I'm just really trying to grow and get better. I'd really appreciate your your honest thoughts in terms of how I can improve. If you can give them some specific areas, that can be helpful. You know, for example, I'm really looking to be more inspiring to the team. Like, what are some things that I can do better? You know, what are some things that I can do to grow and improve in these areas? I think that specificity is really helpful, but also painting them the picture of you're actually going to use it to become better so that they feel like an obligation to you to actually be honest, to be helpful and in service of you. I think that can be a real benefit. That's great. That is great advice. The last piece is expressing yourself. Can you tell us what that means? Yeah, the, the third part of being authentic, obviously we talked about that willingness to change. So you're willing to to make some positive steps. The second thing is that greater self-awareness and now it's really expressing it. So it's about, in expressing it, probably sounds like, I mean, communication, that's part of it, but it's living it up, living to it. So anchoring to your values. If part of your authentic brand, who you are as a person, is a specific value around growth, is that you're really going to be anchored to that and constantly investing in your growth, whether it's getting feedback like we just talked about, whether it's investing in yourself through reading, through li- listening to podcasts, but actually living those values out in your day-to-day life. I think that's one thing. Also, making those decisions based on your values. Or maybe you created a why statement for yourself and asking yourself questions before you embark on a new career path or you make a big decision for your firm or for your career or for your life and say, hey, is that really consistent with my why, with my purpose? And that's a really great way to to live that out and to express it. But then also just making sure you're playing to your strengths is whether you're talking about Gallup's Clifton strengths or different assessments and different ways to get at your strengths is... Don't have that strengths envy. Don't say that, hey, because I don't have this strength, I'm going to spend my time obsessing about it, but I'm actually going to do what I do best and focus on those things because we don't all have the same set of strengths. And we look up to people like Richard Branson and Steve Jobs and Elon Musk. And the reality is most of us are just not like that. We don't have those same set of strengths, which isn't to say those people have the same strengths because they don't. But I think it's really making sure that you are honest with those and actually you play to your strength because that's you're going to be much more successful as a result. And when you talk about values, uh, you talked a little bit about it, self-awareness and now with expressing ourselves, any advice around around creating the right set of values to you? Because it's I found before, you know, people say, take some time, 
carve some time out to write down your values and your mission statement. And it's sometimes really hard to just stare at a blank page and say, what are my values? I feel like I value a lot of things. How do you narrow it down to you know a core set you really want to stand by? Yeah, there's two different ways, and they've been I've been inspired by a couple of different things. So the start with why concept is basically to use storytelling and to come up with themes, which you could also say are values. So rather than say, okay, I'm just going to throw words in a dartboard and put them down on a whiteboard or on a piece of paper, is actually start from a storytelling perspective. I think that's one way for sure. And then extract themes or values from that. Also is starting with a, a large set of values. And there's a, an exercise that I found that that we've started to use that has all sorts of things like growth, like faith, like achievement, different things, you know, religion, financial stability, all these kinds of words. And the exercise was start with 10. So select 10. Okay, cool. That's pretty easy. And then, okay, someone says, all right, now narrow it down to five. Okay, down to five is a little more challenging and then down to three. And so that gets a lot harder and yet you're forced to make choices. I know for me, when I first did it, one of the hard ones for me was I was deciding between achievement and growth. And what I realized for me was that growth is a proxy to achievement, whatever that may be. So if I'm growing and getting better, I know that I'll be achieving what I need to be achieving, what I want to be achieving. So the point is, is that you can come at it a couple of different ways, one through stories, which is helpful, one through looking at a set of words. But I think a third piece, like we talked about, is getting feedback. But also it's being honest with yourself. And this gets back to the authenticity point again, which is don't choose words, don't choose values of things you think people want you to be or need you to be or society expects you to be based on your experience and how you grew up and where you went to school and where you worked, but truly values that that are authentic and really resonate with you. I think that's a really important step in the process. You know, you had mentioned before in one of our combos that it's really important for leaders to be confident. Why is that so? Confidence is a tough word because you, know, you hear a lot of things like fake it before you make it. And, and why I think where we've landed is around that authentic confidence, because when you're truly being authentic, you're going to be confident into any situation. It's like kind of, I'd rather win or lose on my merits, nothing else. The same thing is I want to win or lose, be successful or fail based on who I am most authentically. And, but to your point in terms of being confident is, is part of it is it rubs off on people and not this false bravado, not this, you know, braggadocious type of leader who has this confidence that's really more arrogant, but having that confidence really gets people excited. They believe they can go and do what you're saying to do or go take that hill, which especially if you think about the startup world is you're basically asking someone to do something very difficult, very challenging, something that perhaps hasn't been done before or to unseat an entrenched competitor. And having that confidence, it does rub off. It shows them that you think it's possible. So they're going to think it's possible as well and hopefully run through brick walls for you. That's amazing. I really like the three steps, you know, from willingness to change, that's building into self-awareness and then expressing yourself. Any other tips and advice you have from your book uh, before, as teasers to encourage our listeners to dig in more? Yeah, thanks. There's definitely a chapter about authenticity and there's so much more. We've talked about a lot here today that wasn't in there, but it comes down to best practices. And I think so many people tend to copy and paste best practices. They try to be like Elon where he's always, doesn't call it multitasking, like switch tasking, where he's he's bouncing his kid on his knee and he's texting and he's paying invoices. And that's just folly to try to be like somebody else. And I think if you tap back into who you are authentically, what your strengths are, what your values are, and to make those best practices your own, I think that's really helpful. For me, it's if I'm watching a TED Talk or I'm reading a book, 
it's not just following that rider or that speaker blindly off of the cliff and just succeeding or failing by doing exactly what that person said and actually tailoring those to your values and strengths. I think that's another way that you can apply authenticity and something that we talked about in that chapter of the book. That's great. Well, the book is called The Savage Leader by Darren Ranke. Where can our listeners find the book? Other than we're going to provide a link at the bottom, but in case they're just Googling for it. The book is for sale on Amazon. So go to Amazon, search for The Savage Leader. Also, you can type in thesavageleader.com. It directs to a page on our site that talks about the book and has a link to buy the book if you're so interested. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Darren. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. Is your sales team spending too much time researching leads and accounts? We take over all the labor-intensive sales development tasks so your team can focus on building relationships and closing more deals. We don't just build lists. We take a strategic research-based approach to find your team qualified leads every day. Ready to start? Schedule your free consultation at taskdrive.com. That's T-A-S-K-D-R-I-V-E.com. Thanks for listening to the How We Solve podcast. Dominate your market and crush the competition with our step-by-step playbooks. Subscribe right now in your favorite podcast player or visit howwesolve.com.